Good morning to each one this morning. I hope you all feel like Brother John told me he feels this morning. Good morning, Brother John. How are you this morning? I feel chipper, he said. Are you chipper this morning? Not lots of nods. Uh, Can we pray? Father, you know this morning, I'm not sure how to say right what I have to say this morning. I, it's something that's a burden on my heart, and I think it's a burden on your heart, but I don't know how to say it properly, and to say it in a balanced way, and in a right way, so would you help me? Would you bless my words and my thoughts, and would you bless Us, Lord, as your people here this morning, we need your blessing. And we need reminded. I probably won't say very much new this morning, so help us, Lord. Help me and my words and bless my dear brothers and sisters here before me and those who aren't my brothers and sisters, if there's a few of those here. Give them ears to hear and hearts to see and understand. Oh, we love you, Father. We do. We love following you. We love living for you. Thank you that you've given us the amazing privilege of being your children. Help us be faithful, Father. Thank you so much for your word this morning. And would you help me to portray it aright? In Jesus' name, through Jesus, the only way, help us, help me to be pleasing to Jesus this morning. Amen. You know, I thought as we, someone called 526 and we sang 526, if we all meant it and we all lived it, I don't need to come up here this morning. Listen, and I know you thought of it, but I'm going to remind you. If you're like me, it's easy to, you're trying to follow your notes and your tune and you skip some words and the depth of them. So I'm going to read them to you. From prayer that asks that I may be sheltered from winds that beat on thee, I'm not praying for their, Lord, please, no winds, no difficulties, no. From fearing when I should aspire, from faltering when I should climb higher, from silken self, O Captain Free, thy soldier who would follow thee. Do you ever feel that way? Lord, just help me get this self out of the way so I can be free. Because we all know what it's like to be free without that cell, or most of us do, I trust. And we also know what it's like to be bound up. This self is bothering and hindering, and we realize, oh, Mickey got in the way again. From subtle love of softening things, from easy choices and weakenings, wrong choices, easy choices that weaken us, not thus our spirits fortified, not this way, Went the crucified. From all that dims thy Calvary, O Lamb of God, deliver me. Give me the love that leads the way, the faith that nothing can dismay, the hope no disappointments tire, and the passion that will burn like fire. Let me not sink to be a clod, Lord. Make me thy fuel, flame, of God. Amen. May it be so. <clears throat> That's always been a... I was glad to find a tune to that. I've always liked that poem, and so thank you, Brother John. <clears throat> Open your Bibles. A little prelude before I refer back to the whiteboard back here. Thank you for the one that put it up there for me. To Matthew... Chapter 13. Um, You know, I almost feel like I need to apologize. I'm sorry, these are not new thoughts. And if you've heard me share at a Bible school, these are not new thoughts. These are old thoughts. 
But they're such a burden on my heart and I feel like they fit very well with what we're looking at here, what Jesus said. So um, bear with me. And also, if you think about it, two things. You pray for me that I share this right and balanced, but also pray that you'll hear it right and balanced. Um, I can have all good intentions and do my best to say it right, but then someone, if they have a heart to tweak it, you can take what I'm going to share this morning and tweak it and make a mess of it. You'll understand here in a bit. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him. So that he went into a ship and sat, and a whole multitude stood on the shore, and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. Just picture the multitudes in front of them. And Jesus has something on his heart that he wants to share with the people today. And they're gathered all in front of him. He's sitting in a boat and he's standing up and he's saying, When this sower sowed, verse 4, he gave a picture, When this sower sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. And the fowls came and devoured them up. I'm just going to very simply here, um, I'm sorry, there's a few of you that may not be able to see if I draw it here. I could probably stick it simply up here. Just real simply, some seeds, um, we have a a path going through here, and some of those seeds fell by the wayside as the sower was scattering these seeds, and the fowls came and devoured them up. And that corner of the field didn't bring forth any fruit. There was no fruit there because the fowls of the air devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. When the sun was up, they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. Some more seeds were scattered here. And so we have more seeds that are scattered and this is the part of the field that has stones. And as the seeds landed in that stony soil, they put down roots and they tried to get some nourishment and they tried to get some some moisture and nutrients and grow and so they sprang up. But they didn't have deepness of earth and when the sun was up, were scorched. Verse 7, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. So we have some more. And these are spread among thorns. And that part of the soil, the thorns sprung up and choked them. And if the thorns grow faster than the wheat, the thorns grow up and they get the air and they get the sunlight and the wheat that's underneath just can't grow. And so because the thorns grew, this area of the field, the wheat withered. And it didn't bear the fruit that God wanted. But other fell into good ground and brought forth some hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. But praise God, we did have some other grounds. And we had some thirty, some sixty, and some hundred. So how many types of soil did Jesus portray here? And I know we commonly say, um, it's common we say four. One, two, three, and then four. I think we could also categorize it, and I'm not going to make a big deal here, but I think we could also categorize it in six, as you see it there. Six different types of soils. But I'm not going to harp on the 30, 60, 100 this morning. We're just going to look, meditate just a little bit on the four. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Let's jump over to verse 18, and we have Jesus explaining this parable a bit here. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. Listen. My dear people, Jesus is saying, listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth, and I'm just going to say this plainly, each one of you and I are one of these soils here this morning. Our hearts are one of these soils. And it's either thorny, it's stony, it's wayside, or it's fruit-bearing soil. So again, I'm just going to stick with the four categories here this morning. So as we read this, ponder, Lord, which kind of soil is my heart 
and my life? That's the question. When anyone, verse 19, heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. I am having a Bible study with one of my neighbors. We went through this just the other week. I think we've actually covered it, excuse me, a couple of times. And the more he begins to know, and the more he begins to understand, my, my neighbor here that I'm having a Bible study with, he began to say, yeah, I can see myself in each of those soils. Sometimes I've responded like this. Sometimes I've responded like that. Sometimes I've responded like this. But he said, I know lots of people who they've had little seeds put into their life. And they said, nope, mm-mm, uninterested. He said, I know lots of people like that. They've had little opportunities of truth. They turned their back on it and said, no way, not interested. That here is the wayside soil. Oh, I trust that there's not one here like that. Um, And I'm thankful that most of us are not in that soil here today. If you're in that soil and you hear the truth, but the wicked one is just taking away the seed and he's taking away the the little bit of truth that's being put into your heart... Oh, may God have mercy on you and keep speaking like we heard last night and the night before. May His Spirit keep speaking. Please, if you realize you're in a little bit of this soil, would you please realize it and come before God and change? But he that receives seed in stony places, verse 20, the same is he that heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it. Yes! I've heard it. So there may be some of us here. You've heard the Word your past life and with joy you've received it. Yet hath He no root in Himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the Word, by and by He is offended. When the sun comes out and begins to put stress on this seed, on this plant, Because they don't have depth, they wither away. And I know I'm thankful we have the martyr's mirror, big fat book of people who didn't wither away. It's beautiful. But they tell me that big fat books could be written about people who withered away too. People who under the persecution and pressures gave in and didn't choose the right. And so our Lord Jesus is saying, let's be careful There's going to come persecution. The sun is going to shine. People are going to put pressure and mock. And we know as as the the world continues to change, we're watching and we're saying more and more pressure is coming. Young people, more and more pressure is going to probably be upon us than we're upon our fathers. And the sun is going to shine and it's going to beat down on us. Verse 22, he also that receives seed among thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Over here is the thorny. And thus the seed comes in and Jesus says the care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. I have experienced thorns in my life. Have you? I'm going to say you have. The question is whether you know it or not. There's thorns that are growing and they're pushing at the... Forgive me if I keep saying wheat. I picture it as wheat. They're pushing at the grain. They're pushing at these growing stalks and they're trying to grow. These thorns are. And they're trying to put out their leaves and cover up the... I'm going to just say wheat, okay? Whatever it is. And they're trying to cover up the grain that's growing and cover up the wheat so that the plants don't grow well. Did you know that today, in the midst of your life, just talking with a brother this morning, and he said, yes, there's the temptation sometimes that my focus gets wrong and work and busyness. and That's thorns! And it's thorns putting out their leaves and trying to choke you. The care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. That's right here. 
the thorny ground. But he that receives seed into the good ground, thank you, Lord, for this, is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Oh, may God make us that kind of soil. Amen? May God make us that kind of soil. And just, I just go over this parable and I just want us to ponder, which one of these soils do you find yourself in? Maybe I should ask it this way. Which one do you think is the most dangerous for us in our day? Just some opinions. Which one do you feel is the most dangerous uh, of the soils as we sit here among us here today? Which one? Give me some opinions. Thorns. Thorns. Anybody else agree? I do too. This one here, we're going to have more persecution in the future. I think it will. Some of our dear brothers in other lands are facing tremendous pressure. And so they would probably stand up and meditate on this soil and say, Brothers, how do we work with this soil? Uh, soil. How do we work with this uh, atmosphere, this uh, setting? We're soil. And we have stones and sun shining down on us. I'm sure they wrestle with that. But I want to wrestle with this one here just a little bit this morning. It's thorny. I totally agree with you. That is the one that we are the most dangerously uh, going to have pressures on us. And so I'm going to just focus on this one here this morning. And what did Jesus say? He said, the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Just in light of this thorny, I want us just to ponder Jesus' path, the losing path and the saving path. Just ponder it here this morning. I know I haven't given you a title. Just a minute. It's coming. Jesus' path. How do you think that Jesus' path and the way He showed us would relate to the soil? And especially as we look at the thorny. How many times... Well. How many times do you think Jesus, as He lived here on the earth, do you think He ever wrestled with this soil? I'm going to say He did. Because He knows what we went through. But Jesus knew the path that He wanted to take. And He knew the goal that He came into life with. Our Lord Jesus was sent here to the world and He had a purpose and He had an aim and He had a vision for what He was going to accomplish. And I think we need to remember, we have been given the same responsibility. We are put here on earth and we're be, we have been given a vision and we have been given a charge of what we are to accomplish. And so as our Lord Jesus looked at His path, we need to follow in the same path. And here we have the losing path. The saving path is going to what? Does that remind you of any soil up there? It does me. And it reminds me of the thorny soil. The saving path, the one that's trying to save themselves, they're going to try to gain the world. The losing path is a path that says, I'm willing to deny myself. Here's the title. Yesterday, what was the title of yesterday? Someone say it for me. Feeding the losing life. life. Okay, this morning, we looked at, yesterday it was feeding... I'm going to put a word here, starve, starving the saving life, starving the saving life. And I believe there's a principle here, as I already shared with you, that can be taken the wrong way. So bear with me, but I believe it's very important to us this morning as we ponder this principle of allowing God to work in our hearts and change our savor and change what we love, and change what tastes wonderful to us. And we feed it the right thing. And God works. And you know what? There's going to be times when we need to take out the wrong thing. Just turn your Bibles to Hebrews 12. You know this verse. Just a few principles on this concept of of starving the saving life. Hebrews chapter 12, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. We just read through, or it's just after Hebrews 11, and we have the 
list of the great men of faith that we look up to. And he's saying, wherefore, seeing we have this great cloud of witnesses, brothers, we have some people who've gone before, the Hebrew writer is saying. So since we have this cloud of witnesses, and they've gone before, let us lay aside every weight. So what do we have? We have lay aside. Lay aside. It's get rid of. It's take out of my life. Lay aside every weight and sin. We have weights and sin which does so easily beset us. And then let us run. We talked about that yesterday. Then let us run the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto His path. The One who went before us. The author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before Him, the joy, and we could, I'm not going to go into that joy, but the many joys that were set before Him, He endured the cross. He endured the suffering, the rejection, being killed. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For, listen, for consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. It's going to be work. It's not going to be easy. But remember our Lord Jesus who went before. Even if it's not easy, He went before and He showed us the way to go. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. We strive against sin and against weights. We not only strive to run, but we're also striving against. There's both sides, two sides to this coin. And I believe sometimes if we only focus on the one side, it still brings a weakness. If we only focus on the feeding and we skip the, what I'm calling, starving today, we may not realize that we're trying to put a bunch of fertilizer down on our wheat. And we're trying to put a, you know, feed it well, and we're trying to water it, and God is watering it, and others are watering it. But if we don't deal with the thorns and realize, there's some things I need to take out. There are weights, and there are sins that I need to get rid of, and I need to do it to get rid of those thorns. We must do it with patience and persistence, looking unto Jesus and not getting weary. Um, let's turn to Second Timothy. Two, just this principle of not only the feeding, but also the starving. Second <clears throat> Timothy 2, verse 20. Just jumping in the middle here, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these... Purge himself. Here we have another word. Purge. If a man therefore purge himself from these, there's some purging that needs to happen. He should be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Please, Timothy... There's, you're just like a house, and there's going to be vessels of gold and silver, and there's also some vessels that you don't want there that need to be purged. But if you purge these, then you'll be ready for every good work. Verse 22, flee also youthful lusts. There's another word, flee. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow. And that word belongs over here. So we've got flee. And follow. Again, two principles. And I realize we can make this list very long too. That's not the point here. I just, I'm looking at this side. We already looked at the feed side. We're looking at the starve side. Flee youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that, are, that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. If you want to be a vessel unto honor, 
there's going to be some purging and some fleeing that also needs to take place. We live in a very thorny time in life. Very thorny. And purging and fleeing must be there. I realize when Jesus said to take the... When, when we're looking at the losing path, and He said deny. There's more than one way we could look at that word deny. I'm going to look at the word deny and relate, relate it here in connection with what, he, what we see as the saving path. The opposite of deny, in, in what we're looking at here, and I realize, again, I believe deny has more aspects to it than we're going to look at this morning. But one aspect is the opposite of gaining the world. And so deny, we're looking at that, the opposite of gaining the world. We're willing to starve, deny. We're willing to flee, deny. We're willing to lay aside, deny. We're willing to realize there are weights and get rid of them, Deny. When we see sin, deny. Purge. Get rid of. We're denying. Again, that's why I say there are many, many ways someone can take this wrong. And so, <clears throat> please get my heart here. I'm just looking at one aspect of deny and, the, and being the opposite of gaining the world. Let's go to Judges. And I want to look at a man who didn't Deny. Before I did that, I wanted to do this for God. I want to draw, in a sense, this diagram here. And I'm not sure we can put different words here. But I'm going to go opposite of the Spirit of God if we put self. And in here, we have the same concept. We have our heart. And so we're going to have self. And I'm going to run it just the opposite way, just to make the point. And over here we're going to have feed. And I, we could put more than self. We could put Satan. We could put all sorts of things. And we're going to put starve over here. And I want us just to ponder what happens. This principle is a beautiful principle. That when we begin to pursue the things of God... And we make right choices and feed, and the Spirit of God is working, and we feed and we make choices. I love that, uh, that quote you had for us, Brother John D. I was going to say it again. Um, we make our choices, and then our choices make us. The Spirit of God works, and we feed, and we make our choices. And God works and blesses as we do that. And we starve and realize we need to take something out of our life. And God works. And as this goes around, we become more and more like our Savior. Isn't that beautiful? It also works this way. If we say no to the Spirit of God, and we feed something of self, and it's self that's ruling, and we're going to then starve the Spirit of God, And we begin to go around this way, it also works. And it also conforms us the opposite way that we want to. And it conforms us to thorns, I guess. It feeds the thorns instead of the wheat. So this chart works both ways. I just wanted to put that out. We're back to Judges. Judges chapter 13. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. So we all know Judges is when every man did right in his own eyes and there was a flip-flop, back and forth, flip-flop. A man would rise up and there'd be some blessing there. And then as they would fall away and begin doing what was right in their own eyes and scattering, the pressures would come on. And So here the children of Israel did evil again. Just one of the very common statements in Judges. In the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them. Well, thank you, Lord. Here we have it again. Into oh, oh, sorry, not delivered them from the Philistines. Sorry, into the hands of the Philistines because of their evil. Forty years, and there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman, and said unto her, Behold, thou art barren and bearest not. But thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. Do you see which side 
of the chart that principle's on? Don't do this, don't do this, and don't do this. Drink not wine, nor strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. For lo, verse 5, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. The child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So God says, I know we have a problem here, but again, as Judges happens round and round, they kind of went in a cycle from following God to falling away. I'm going to raise up a man. And he met this woman and he said, you're going to bear a son. Let's jump on down. Verse 24 of the same chapter 13. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew. And do you see what it says there? The Lord blessed him. I don't always know what to do with Samson. As we go on, forgive me if I paint a little different picture than you've seen before. I wrestle a little bit with Samson. Where It says the Lord blessed him, and we'll see many other places where the Spirit of the Lord came on him. There was something of God working. We usually give him a really bad name. But there's also God working in him. And so we have both of these things happening. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him, verse 25, at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtel. So we have a man who we have two statements now. Well, okay, first we have his birth was amazing. Then we have two statements, and the one is the Lord blessed him. And the other one is the Spirit of the Lord began to move him. So up till this time, if you didn't know the rest of the story of Samson, you might sit on the edge of your seat and say, Okay, God, what's going to happen? It looks to me like a man of God is coming forth and God is going to use him to do some delivering. Then in verse 14, we begin to scratch our heads a little bit. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. I don't know for sure where all of this is, we can immediately say, wait a minute, something's wrong. And he went through a conversation with his parents. But in verse 4 it says, But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord, that he sought an occasion against the Philistines. So again, I don't know for sure how the sovereignty of God is working through all of this, working through uh, Samson's uh, life and choices and happenings here, because God says, it says here, knew not that it was of the Lord, that he sought an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Verse 6, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Again, we have the Spirit of the Lord coming mightily upon Samson. And it was when a lion came against him. And all of a sudden, he faced the lion. We talked about uh, the illustration of a lion on the loose, or lions, or other animals. And he took it and just tore it apart. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. But we also know that Samson made some wrong decisions. And what happened, he didn't have the strength to know where he needed to discipline himself and starve the things that shouldn't be fed. He was a man whom God was with, and God was blessing. And there was some blessing in his life, but somehow it seems to me that as he began, some of the lusts of his flesh and his eyes began to control him, and he wasn't able to choke as these thorns began to grow in his life. And he didn't know how to flee them right and lay them aside to starve them, get rid of weights and sin, and to purge himself. And so we find Samson... I'm just going to, you all know what happens to Samson, so we find Samson going through his difficulties with his wife, and then he is after Delilah, and then she cuts his hair, and then he has his eyes gouged out, and then he ends up running the grinding mill. He didn't seem to be able to discipline his own spirit. He didn't understand and grasp or at least live the concept of starving what needed to be starved in his life. And there was some loving of his own life instead of denying that began to come into his life. And as he began to fall to those things, it began to take him down, down, down. 
If you remember yesterday, we were in Romans chapter 8. Go back there with me. I'm just gonna, we're going to flip around here just a little bit more. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind. Remember, we looked at savor yesterday. And what we savor, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. And so what happens is, maybe I should have... Done that here. I'm not trying to be picky with words, but I'm going to put flesh down here. They that are after the flesh, since we have that word, do mind and savor the things of the flesh. And so then they're going to starve the things that are of God. And then self is going to come up and they're going to feed this savor of self and flesh. And that cycle begins. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. Verse 5, verse 6, for to be carnally minded, that's right here, to be carnally savored will bring about what? Death. It's not this path, it's this path. And it ends in death. Same principle. It's not the path. To be carnally minded is not denying myself. It's allowing the flesh and the self to control and spin. And so we begin to feed and starve the opposite and the wrong things. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Down to verse 13. For if ye live... After the flesh and self, ye shall die. If you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if through the Spirit you do... Shall we add another word here? Mortify. The deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So again, we have the Apostle Paul showing us the way of the flesh and the way of the Spirit. The way of the flesh and the way of the Spirit. And they lead to opposite ends. The denying of self and flesh or the gaining of the self and flesh. And they lead to to opposite ends. Just a couple pages over, Romans chapter 10, verse 11. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord is rich over all. Unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm sorry, that is not what I was looking for. Young people, I understand the wrestle between feeding here and feeding here. Starving here and starving here. I understand it. And in a sense, I just feel um, the burden on my heart is just to plead with you in a practical way. Would you comprehend what, and I'm going to go on and I'm going to get more practical here, but would you grasp some of these, this principle and put it into everyday life and say, okay, Lord, how do I feed here? And how am I feeding here that I need to starve? That I need to flee? That I need to lay aside? What are the weights and what are the sins that need purged and mortified? <clears throat> And I'm just going to give some practical pleas from my own heart to yours. Would you be willing to consider really where your heart is and where you're laying up? And really ask the question to yourself, some of the things of this life, do I know a lot about them? Do I think a lot about them? Do I talk a lot about them? Do I like to learn about them? If so, then I love them. Let's face it. That's just the way it is. If I think a lot about them, and I spend energy and time on them, 
And I'm communicating about them. What it means is down in there, there's a love for them, and I'm feeding the wrong thing. I think we just need to face that. Jesus talks a lot about, uh, what does he say? The cares of this life, what does he say? The deceitfulness of riches. Can I put a little plea in here this morning? Be careful with money. Please be careful with money. It is just amazing what when we get a little money into our hands and we do things with it, that there follows a feeding, that we're feeding something, one or the other, with that money. Filthy lucre doesn't mean all money is filthy. Filthy lucre is when money is fed in here or comes from here. Would you please be careful with money? Sorry, I'm just tying my shoe here. Would you make conscious choices with how you make it and how much you make? Especially young men. Let's be careful. Let's keep this over our lives. Jesus gave us warning after warning after warning about it. Over and over. And I don't have the answers. I'm not in practically today going to line out how you do it and the numbers and how much and in and out and all that. That's not my point. I don't feel like that's my place here. But I'm going to plead with you. Be careful. Jesus said it over and over. It's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's hard. Harder than for a camel to go through the eyes of a needle. And the apostle said, Lord. They were amazed by it. I think we need to be careful. Let's be careful with what we spend it on. Because what we spend it begins to feed here or feed here. Jesus said, food and raiment, content. And I'll be honest, I, I have preferred not to just stop by gas stations and buy stuff. It just it feels like it's, it's me that wants that. There's times when you need food. We need food. So don't take it to the extreme. But just the, the coffees and the sugars and the junks and, the, and we just spend our money, but we think it's okay. What if you had the concept that every dollar I had is not mine, it's someone else's. Wouldn't I want to be careful with my dollars? I remember when we first went to Tanzania and the church was giving to help us. And it was hard for me to spend that money. I didn't like to spend it. And I I went too far. I didn't bless my family in the way that I should probably. And I, I just didn't like to spend it. It wasn't mine. And so I scrimped and we, you know. But it wasn't mine. What if we had that concept truly? Can we just freely buy the stuff we like? And just easily. Can we be careful in this day and age when there's so many opportunities and there's so many thorns, how much we just feed ourselves and flesh and how much we realize this isn't my money. Let's be careful Young people, let's be careful with what we do with our clothes. Let's be careful. We're making statements. We're saying things. We're doing things. And watch your heart. I know the feelings. I remember the shoes that made me feel ugly. I remember the shirts that I thought I looked nicer in and the ones I didn't. I remember wrestling with those things. But I remember thinking, Mickey, who are you thinking about? Who are you trying to represent? Are you trying to so that when you walk into the room and you're with other people, yeah, I feel like I, I must look pretty good and things are good and the way it should be. And You can laugh if you want. Maybe you don't know those things. I do. Do you know what's happening? You're making choices then that are going to feed here or here in your little decisions. And the cares of this life and the things that Jesus says that we should be caring about, we're caring about me and myself and my image and what I'm portraying. Let's do wear our shoes on purpose. 
Let's do wear our clothes on purpose. But what is the purpose? Which one are we trying to feed here? Which one are we trying to show the direction of? Which one are we trying to encourage others in? Which one are we feeding and which one are we starving? I remember standing in front of mirrors too and trying to be really careful with this hair up here. Make sure it looked all right and looked nice. I don't want to be a slop. And you don't want to be a slop. But let's be careful. What is motivating my thought processes? What is motivating my concepts? What, who am I trying to please? What am I feeding? My flesh? Myself? Or is the Spirit of God? I'm saying, yes, Lord. How would you want it to be? And I want to be a proper representation and a pull that goes the right way and portrays the right thing that pulls my own heart and others. And you young ladies especially, that probably hair probably means more to you than it does to some of us. Some of us men don't care a whole lot. Maybe some do. Some don't probably. But for you, be careful. It's not supposed to be shown and be beautiful. It's not supposed to be to all of us sitting here. It's supposed to be covered. The glory is covered. Make sure you watch your heart in the mornings. Which one am I feeding? And throughout the day, which one am I feeding? Do I realize that thorns grow in really simple ways about caring about really simple things? And uh, along the hair, the veilings and what happens with them and the colors and the size and the shapes and all of this. What is motivating your decisions? Can you please just be honest? Can I... These little decisions were feeding one or the other. And so often is we throw in some of this and God begins to work and things happen. And then we hit over here and lurch. We throw in something here and it tries to go back the other way. And then we throw in here and we throw in here. And we sit there in a life back and forth. And I think the Apostle Paul was burdened about that when he said, you're still babes. You're jerking back and forth between the flesh and the spirit. Um. Maybe I mentioned this, our clothes. Let's be careful. Why do we wear what we wear? The colors and the tightness and the flashiness and the whatever all it is. We're doing things. We do them on purpose in general. What is my purpose? What is your purpose? Which cycle are you feeding? And if you find yourself feeding here and starving the things of God and feeding, it doesn't come out right. And in the future, you're going to be difficult from the Spirit of God and the church as the church, as we want to walk together and we want to go forward and we want to guide. And the concept is, no, you can't see my heart. Yes, I can see your heart. I can see where it's going. Maybe you think it's somewhere a little different now, but you're leading it and you're guiding it with all of these little decisions. The um, technology that's available to us. As I've just pondered, I'm I'm still a youth, okay? A few years beyond you. But it's just right back there when all these things were sensitive to me. They're not so much anymore, but they were. Today I have to deal with other things. I'm not sharing about those things. I'm dealing with what I would say, what did we read in Timothy? Um, um, Youthful lusts. And these are things that in my own heart, and if I miss you, have mercy on me, but... Me, these are things that I understand and I dealt with and still to a certain extent I'm sure deal with. But technology and media is bombarding us. And these cell phones and the communication that comes, it's bombarding us with influence. Yes, the sin, I'll mention that in a little bit, but just the influence that's bombarding us and we quick pull them out and find answers and we quick go and check this out and we quick... Let's be careful... We're just peeking out the window and learning from the world so often. And what does the world have to say? And we just allow a little influence. You all have probably heard the illustration. um, We talk about the TV being the uh, devil's window. 
And so how do you expect holiness in your home if you stick a window right there that whenever we want, we get to peek into what the devil's doing and what he's thinking and what the world is doing and what they're thinking. And so we use that. Now it's come in our pocket. And I know it can do good things. I know that. But it's full of the same stuff that the TV had on it. And it's called influence. And it's bombarding us. And it's coming at us. What are you feeding in these things? What are you feeding in relationships through media? And yes, what is happening? Is there sin that comes and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes is fed? Why do you think Pepsi puts a billion, billions, millions of dollars into putting up big signs and they just say Pepsi? Does that make you drive off the road and go buy a Pepsi? No, what they're doing is they're slowly influencing us. If only Coca-Cola did it and Pepsi didn't do it, apparently they know Pepsi would slowly lose out. But because of that, they put up big billboards and they program our minds, though we don't think about it, and drive down the road and a Pepsi billboard goes past. But what it does is it influences our concept of what to drink. Apparently they know that. Otherwise, they wouldn't spend millions on it. So the world and what we allow to come before our eyes and what we look at is programming us, whether we know it or not. It's influencing our concepts of life and the way we view life and what we think dress and the way people should look and the hairstyles and the dress and what is neat and what is not and what is enjoyable and what is not. And the world is programming. And that's what media does to us. It influences us. Let's be careful. Where are you feeding Someone who has a burdened heart for what we talked about yesterday. And we're desperate to see this go. And for God to be able to mold me and make me will be earnest about this one, I believe. They won't be loose about it. The ease with which we can look at a little video that tells us how to fix a truck, a transmission, of whatever you want to fix, make this sewing come out right. It's so easy, but then we always are bombarded with other stuff too. You can't just get one thing. They know advertisement. They know how to grab us. And so we go on there and influence comes. Just remember that and use it carefully. If your authorities and are giving you guidance how to use it, love the guidance. Stay well inside of it and say, God, help me to feed properly. Um, I'm just going to mention music. I know that's a, a big one. You can't listen to junk and expect to not be fed junk. That's, you just can't. And I'm not here to say dissect the good and the bad. Most of us know. And we have authorities that are helping us. Make sure you're feeding on good stuff. Otherwise, or if it's all here, it's just this way. Or you end up feeding some good, some bad, some middle, some... And we jerk around in our Christian lives. Let's watch our thoughts, young people. Watch our thoughts. Watch your thoughts very, very carefully. Young ladies love good emotions. (laughs) I do too. But that's more of the tendency. And to get the emotions going with thoughts. And letting emotions go where they shouldn't. And feelings. And things go from reading and whether there's romance things reading or it's just gendering things in your own thoughts. You let yourself just feed on that stuff. You're feeding yourself and your flesh. It's that simple. Need I say more? Young men, it's the same with us. We can feed ourself and our flesh in our mind with our eyes. <clears throat> Flee it! We drive cars and trucks. I'm, I'm just going to... It's a little dangerous sometimes, but it's, I think it's so ambiguous, I don't think it'll be a problem. I looked out the window yesterday, and I saw a couple of people, and I don't even know who they were, and I don't even know the truck they were standing by, but there was a truck, and it looked really nice and new, and they were looking at it and talking, and, and I just thought, oh. They don't know what they're doing. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe 
Maybe they were talking and he needed that and he uses it for work. It just didn't look that way. And so I didn't hear the conversation. I didn't see how long it lasted. But I just saw a really nice truck and two people standing there looking at it, talking about it. Do you know what I think was happening? This is what I think was happening. I could be wrong. I didn't go and listen to him talk and see, you know, and I didn't. It was just a glance. So I want to be careful. Again, that's why I'm saying it totally ambiguous. I don't even know who it was or even what vehicle. Or I don't. But you get the picture. Especially us young men. Be careful with this thing. Okay, you need a vehicle. But why are you leaning the way you're leaning? What is motivating you for the kind and the style and the shape and the color and the... Just be careful. It's the same thing. And if in all these little, see my quotes, little things, you just keep feeding down here, they're not a big deal. They are a big deal. They are. Because you can't try to feed the Spirit and feed the flesh at the same time. They're at enmity one with another. Let's be careful with sports, games, amusements, what we like to play. We need some physical exercise. Okay. But what do you love? What's motivating you? What are you thinking about when you're playing it? Is it yourself? Is it others? How good I'm doing or how to bless someone else? Really? Which one are we feeding? I'm going to move on here. I know um, pride in my own heart and I care about me. I know those tendencies. When you walk into a room, who are you caring about? What are you thinking about? Am I, am I wanting to be able to be a blessing to someone? Am I enjoying the fellowship? Am I, or is it I'm wondering about me and making sure I make a good impression and I say the right thing for my sake and that there kills the Spirit. Those thoughts, those concepts, self-consciousness, peer pressure, thinking about myself, daydreaming. <clears throat> These things are killers. Struggling when someone else is praised. I want you to turn with me to John. We're going to look at just a couple of verses here in closing in John. John 15 first. John 15, 19. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Jesus is trying to show the clear difference. The world is going to hate you. You're not going to be loved by it. You're going to be opposed by it. But young people, if our life makes sense to the world, don't you think something's wrong? If the way I'm living my life and the way I'm portraying it to the world and the world looks on and says, oh, that makes sense. Don't you think something's wrong? And I know there's some fruit and beautiful things that can come out of following Christ and they'll wish they had that. But if the decisions I'm making line right up with the way the world makes them, something's wrong. And then back to 17. Just a page over to 17, verse 14. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. And here's our Lord. And he's praying, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. They're not motivated like the world. They don't live like the world. It's not the same concepts. I pray not, though, Father, that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Oh, it would have been glorious. We begin to say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And we enter his kingdom, and he goes, whew, all done. We were talking on the way down here, and I'm not sure this allegory carries through all the way, but on the way down here, we are talking about it. It feels sometimes like this to me. We're in a pig pen, and it stinks, and it smells, and it's gross. And God says, I want to take stinky, smelly pigs, and I want you to come unto me and get cleaned. And I think with some principle here, he wants to make us a cat, and cats don't love manure. But then he says, no, you stay in the pig pen, but stay clean. 
That's the way it feels to me sometimes with the bombardment and living in the midst of the world. Find and stay. Again, I, I feel like the illustration breaks down, but just take it in the way we're looking at it today. Stay clean. But if this keeps happening here, you're not going to stay clean. We must walk in the pig pen carefully. Distracted here. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. I want them clean in the midst of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And as my Father has sent me, we could get that out of here too. I'm just going to close here. As my Father has sent me, so send I you. Jesus came and He lived in the midst of this world, but He didn't join it. And He didn't become part of it. And He didn't join this cycle. He lived in the midst of it, but He walked with the Spirit of God and He fed and He starved the right things. Starving the saving life. Do you get the concept? You have to come before God and say, God, where am I at? And I would just plead with you to do that. Can we just pray? Father, I don't know that I said everything right, but I do pray You'd bless this, these dear young people with this principle and help them to take it seriously and realize they must starve this saving life concept that so easily pokes its head up in our lives. Would You bless them, Father, please? Would you help us as a church to bless and guide even in these practical things? Give us wisdom to know how to help guide our hearts as a people through these kind of things. Would you bless my dear brothers and sisters here and those who are not? Um, give them grace to see this principle, not take it in an imbalanced way, but understand this principle and apply it to their lives. Keep us holy, Father, like Jesus, following in your footsteps. Amen.